For the value-added resellers, systems integrators, and various other labels used by companies that operate in the IT channel, business has taken a big, but not entirely surprising turn. Where once channel partners could rely on selling and servicing infrastructure and PCs, the cloud has changed the game. I'm Mike Pastor. In this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about marketing in the IT channel. Today, many channel companies have made or are making the transition to being a managed services provider, or MSP. But competing in the services business and marketing yourself as a service provider is a far cry from helping local businesses keep their IT operations moving. Howard Cohn is a 35-year veteran of the IT channel. Today, he helps channel partners with their marketing efforts and content creation. I talked to Howard about the changes we're seeing in the channel, how channel companies can transition their marketing as they move to the services space, and more. Let's have a listen. Howard Cohen, welcome to the podcast. Why don't you just take a minute to introduce yourself and talk about what you do? Sure, Mike. Um, I'm a 35-year veteran exec from the IT channel. Started working in the channel in 1981. Um, I've taken the title of Senior Resultant. Each word has a meaning resultant because if I've learned anything in the channel, it's all about results. You can talk about effort, you can talk about anything you've done, but when it comes down to it, only results speak. So I wanted to be a resultant. Also, a consultant is somebody who looks at your watch and tells you what time it is, so I didn't want to be that. The other word is senior, and if people could see me, they would realize that I'm fairly old. So it, both words kind of worked. Today, and for the past 10 years, I refer to myself as a creator of compelling content. Uh, content is everything. Content is king. It's all about content. And uh, I've been writing content since I started in the business. I've wanted to be a writer since I was eight years old. So this was a great way for me to continue doing what I was doing, but without having to stay in the channel and continue managing the things that I were managing was managing. In those 35 years, I managed sales, marketing, but I also managed professional services. And there's nothing like waking up wondering who 3,000 miles away is going to make your day miserable. So I was I was kind of done with that. Today, as a creator of compelling content, I uh, write for and about the channel. I write for the channel in that I do a lot of custom content. I do a lot of blogging, I do a lot of press releases, white papers, case studies, you name it, anything that will help market a company inside the IT uh, world. Everything I write is written to sell, or at least to get a customer to move along the sales motion positively. And about the channel, I do appear in a number of publications, just really mainly to, to, to continue visibility and to continue the dialogue that I have with the IT community. So. On this podcast, we talk a lot about change. If I did a, one of those word clouds of this podcast, I think change would be in the big 36-point font, right? So we talk about changes in B2B marketing. There's more data. There's different skill sets involved. But when you and I spoke earlier, you were telling me about the biggest change for people in the channel, which is the change from being resellers to being managed service providers, MSPs. So can, can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. I've been writing about it for quite a while now and uh, concerned about it and focused on it. Uh, for about seven years, I wrote a, channel, a uh, column called the, the Changing Channel. I stopped a little more than a year ago because the channel is no longer a changing channel. It's not a channel. 
it's something else now. If you ask my friend Jay McBain, he'll tell you it's a shadow channel, and I have no idea what that means, other than maybe something to do with uh, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of channel partners. But today, we've really reached a place where a majority, I think, of people who identify themselves as resellers now identify themselves as managed service providers. Um, interesting change. There are two very different businesses, two very different business models. So there's no real reason to think that one could just become the other overnight. Uh, it, there's quite a bit of transition that has to be gone through. And I think a lot of resellers have kind of missed the boat on that. They've kind of you know, looked the other way and said, okay, I can just do this, no problem. And they've discovered that it's very hard uh, to truly be a quality MSP. Uh, it takes a lot of work, a lot of training, uh, changes in the way you conduct your business, changes in the way you market your business, changes in the way you engage customers. But it was necessary. I mean, the reseller move to MSP was necessary because cloud came along. And nobody is standing up servers anymore. Nobody's standing up their own storage anymore. So all of the partners who were in that segment had nothing to do, along with not selling servers or storage. They're also not selling the installation services or anything else that goes with it. So the infrastructure business is basically dead or dying. And so they had to go somewhere to do something. And that's what drove them all to MSP. They do have a choice. I mean, some decided to just be network plumbers, to continue installing switches and routers and modems and all kinds of wonderful things. And they can do that for a living and be very, very successful and very, very happy. But other than that, they had to find something new. And um, they've discovered that selling what you do for a customer is very different from selling what you have in inventory. So they, uh, they've got some challenges trying to figure out now that I'm here, how do I make this work? Uh, the other thing that they're confronting is that there's tons of them. The market is glutted with MSPs. I mean, everybody's an MSP. I've met MSPs who say, yeah, we're, we're in the staff augmentation business. We're MSPs. That doesn't make sense to me. You know, so I think that, you know, they've got to decide who they are, what they do, how they're going to make their money. And they have to market themselves that way. They have to define themselves and market themselves. So if you're in the channel and your marketing lags behind, it's still got that reseller messaging to it, yeah. or if you're not doing any marketing, then the obvious question is, where does one start? <laughs> well, let me say this. Uh, when I was at uh, MTM, uh, which was my last stop in the channel, I was in charge of business development and marketing. And I was somewhat of an odd duck. Not a lot of other partners had somebody doing what I did. But I like to think that I managed to keep them afloat while they were trying to find somebody to buy them. It was a very interesting time. I think today, kind of going back to what I was just talking about, the first thing an MSP has to do is really define their service offering. They have to define who they are, what they do, who they do it for, you know, who's their market. And more important than that, maybe, they have to identify the value that a customer can expect to get out of working with them. Because customers don't buy you for your boyish good looks. I wish they did. No, I really don't wish they did, actually. 
The, uh, they don't buy. They, they don't engage you because you're a wonderful person. They engage you because you're smart, because you demonstrate intelligence, you demonstrate capability. So that's what they're going to buy from you because they know they'll get done what they need to get done. And you have to be able to convey to them in all your marketing, this is what we can get done for you. This is the value you can have if you work with us. So I suggest to partners when I speak with them that nobody cares. Think about it that way. Nobody cares. They don't care who you, you know, how great you are, how many years you've been in business, what vendor uh, certifications you hold. They don't care. If they don't know who you are, they don't care about what you do. So you have to first convince them that you're of value. And then they'll be interested in all the other stuff. And I think that the, uh, <laughs> the best way to test whether or not you're on that page, and this is a, a suggestion to anybody who's listening, uh, if you want to see if you're really conveying value, go to your own website and go to every paragraph on every page in your website. Count how many there are totally and count how many of them begin with either the name of your company, the word I, me, my, we, our, anything indicating you. And the, you, don't be surprised if 80, 90 plus percent of your paragraphs begin talking about you. That is all backward. Everything in your marketing should be about them, about your customer. And so if you're, you know, want to be more effective in your marketing, start thinking about what you bring in terms of what it means to the customer. Because as my friend Richard Lociale always says, everybody has the same favorite radio station, WIIFM, What's In It For Me Radio. And you've got to play to that. So um, that's where I think you start. The other thing, and this is going to be a little bit self-serving, but I think you have to think about the quality of the writing. Not that everybody's sitting out there, you know, with red pen in hand, they're going to, you know, proofread everything or they're going to gauge it for, you know, beautiful flowing prose or anything. That's not the case. You know, what they're looking for is compelling, something that compels them to take the next action along the sales motion something that moves them forward. And if the copy does that, then it's successful copy. And if it doesn't, it could be beautiful, but it's not effective. So you really need to focus in on how do I make the, the writing itself more effective? And if you can't do that yourself, engage folks like me who write for a living and know the industry. There are SEO people that you should be talking to who can help you increase your hit rate when you're going out on social media. But don't ever let the SEO compromise the quality of the content. And finally, once you've got the writing licked, I think the other thing that people have to remember is that of all the things we can do as marketers of you know, email, direct mail, web, you name it, none of them are as effective as the power of the referral. Referrals are still the most effective marketing there is. And so what you want to do is you want to automate, you want to routinize referrals. How do you do that? You incorporate into your content a lot of reasons for your readers to share your content with their friends, share your content with their associates, share your content with competitors, you know, but in, encourage other people to benefit from the writing they've benefited from. And if your writing does bring them benefit and you are convincing then what will happen is your readers will cut through all the noise. You won't have to try to rise above it anymore. They'll cut through it and get, get you right to more people to join your audience. 
And ultimately, the people who join your audience and become part of your readership community, eventually a lot of them start to draw through to becoming customers. So that's where I would suggest people start. So let's keep the channel marketing boot camp going, um, and let's <laughs> talk about let's talk about something you touched on before, which is differentiation. So mm -hmm. differentiation is hard for a lot of firms in tech, in part because the tech audience is just bombarded with messages, and it can all start to sound the same. But it's even harder for the channel because there's almost always another channel partner nearby selling similar wares. So mm -hmm. how does one differentiate themselves? Okay, first of all, I, I think that's going to change now. I think that with the overabundance of MSPs, you're going to see some of them intelligently decide to specialize. See, I think a lot of them suffer from the age-old illness of wanting to be all things to all people. I couldn't tell you how many times I've been reminded never to fall into that trap. You can't be all things to all people. You can't be good at everything unless you're huge, unless you have thousands of people on staff, each one specializing in something else. And, yeah, you can actually provide everything from your internal staff to any customer. But otherwise, you really have to specialize. You really need to focus down on what you do well and what you're going to bring. And that in and of itself will begin your differentiation. Um, I think you're going to see data solution providers, uh, people who interpret the data coming out of big data engines um, and uh, help executives figure out what the data means and help them derive great decision-making information, knowledge, wisdom from pure data. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of IoT service providers who are installing all those sensors and devices and whatnot hitching them to systems that help you automate the environment in your building, the operation of your machinery, you, you name it. I think that IoT in and of itself will mature to the point where there will be people who just specialize in it. We've already seen people break off and specialize in AI or machine learning or cognitive services. Um, they're going to become the, you know, the, the I don't know even what to call it, AISPs. Um, so you're going to see differentiation. You're going to see people splitting off in all kinds of directions. And that's great. That's great because customers want to deal with the expert. You know, look at medicine. Look at medicine as the model. There's no Marcus Welby anymore. There's no, oh, for those of you who don't know who that is, he was a doctor on TV long, long ago when dirt was new and I was young. Um, but there's no general practitioners anymore. They've all given way to specialists. You go to a, a you go to a uh, an internist instead of a general practitioner. You go to a, a hand doctor, a foot doctor, an ear doctor. You name it. I think it's going to be the same here, where we're going to specialize in messaging or in server operations or in storage, uh, in um, you know software defined storage. Let's put an even finer point on it. I think there's going to be lots of disciplines like that, and a lot of MSPs will become something else, XP, SPs. For those who see the logic of that, what I've told them is that you really need to go with your strength, go with momentum. Don't suddenly decide one day, oh, I think that we'll, we'll focus on the legal vertical. First of all, don't focus on the legal vertical. They don't pay. Okay, they take delivery and then they litigate. It's just, it's a different world. 
but not seriously. Um, you can't just someday, someday wake up and say, oh, I'll do that vertical. Actually, verticals find you. If you look at your roster of customers and simply indicate what industry each one of them is in and then do a count, you will find that some of them are much larger counts than others. In my own case at MTM, we discovered that we had tons of retail customers, customers who were retail organizations like uh, department stores and Macy's and you know, so forth. We had tons of them, uh, Ralph Lauren, um, you know, people who operated stores to sell their wares and needed computer support to do that. So we found ourselves in the retail vertical. And we knew much more about it than we realized we did. And it was great. It was terrific. I say that verticals find you. And so if you're going that route, look at your own database. Also look at your customer base and think about the projects you've done that went really well. I mean, really, really well. You know, you, you know them off the top of your head probably. Start writing those down. Start documenting what kinds of projects really went well for you. And that will guide you to what you do well, and therefore you should specialize in. You know, if you've done a lot of messaging projects, you know, standing up email systems and so uh, and so forth, get into messaging. It's a great area to go into. If you've done some fantastic security work, and put up, you know, firewalls and authentication systems and, you know, um, intrusion prevention systems. I mean, if you've done anything like that, security is probably where you want to go. Um, and don't be afraid. You don't have to drop all your other business and then just focus on that. You can continue doing your other business, but start to focus on that to the point where the overwhelming abundance of your business comes from that discipline. Uh, I think you'll find yourself much more profitable, uh, much more popular, and much more successful. If you're if your customer care game is on point, like you were saying before, those referrals, people change jobs, they stay in the same sector, that's one of the ways that vertical is going to find you because you're going to grow as people who are in the same circles talk to each other and network with recommendations, right? So, Absolutely. Right. You know, people, share, people love to share their good resources. Right. It gives them great pleasure to show somebody else, you know, talk to this guy, he can get that done for you. Exactly. Makes you look good. So technology has become a huge part of marketing, and we talk about MarTech quite a bit on this podcast and on our site. Um, but part of the MarTech universe are these relatively easy-to-use tools, HubSpot, to name just one, that can make it easier for the channel to get their marketing game going. So what is your experience with the use of tools like this within the channel? A lot of my clients are using HubSpot in particular. Um, several are using others like Marketo and whatnot. But I think that, first of all, from the perspective of the, the platforms themselves, I think they're finally reaching the point where they're sorting themselves out. In, in the early going, they were all busy you know, in a feature war, trying to have more features than their competitors. And I think it took time for that to mature. But I think we're there now. I think that you can look at each platform and decide, this has the strengths I'm looking for in doing what I'm doing, so I'm going to go with this one. Um, I guess the most important thing to say about uh, these distribution platforms, these marketing platforms, marketing automation platforms, is that you know I, re I refer to my own content development as compelling. I develop compelling content, but 
it doesn't stand a chance of compelling anyone if nobody reads it. So getting it out where people will read it is extremely important to me. And you can't just put it out there and hope for the best. It doesn't work. You really need to target. You really need to target specific audiences with specific messages. Today's reader expects that. They expect that the content they receive was meant specifically for them. And they get very frustrated if it isn't, if it's general purpose or if it has nothing to do with them. They tend to you know, put a, a, a bad, you know, red mark on your ledger with them. Also, I get, you, you really have to realize that a lot of print publications, uh, a lot of publications refer to their print version as their book. And more and more books are going away. You know, if I look at just in the IT industry, you know, you can count a large number of publications that just went away, the paper version long ago, and in many cases, even the web version. But the web version, that's publishing today. When you publish, you're publishing to the web more than you're publishing to paper. And certainly, I think the trees appreciate that. With what's going on in the Amazon, the world will appreciate you know, preserving as many trees so the planet can keep on breathing. But uh, I think you have to be realistic about the fact that you're going to be publishing online. This gives you all kinds of opportunities to create interactive discussions and conversations with your readers that you really didn't have before. But even more important, it's easier when it's digital to go away from broadcast to everybody to focus cast, you know, focusing in on a specific audience and casting just directly to them. And I, I mean, I think everything is lending itself to this. I just wrote a paper on recommender en engines. Uh, this is a, an application of artificial intelligence in which it uses machine learning to collect a lot of information about each customer, and then it has the complete catalog of a given seller's products, and it interpolates between the products and the customers, figuring out which products would be best recommended to which customers. You don't need salespeople to do that anymore. You don't need product managers to do that anymore. This automation will do that, and it will even send out the appropriate messages to the appropriate customers about the appropriate products. So I think we're very, very clearly um, moving in the direction of a fully automated world in which you're writing for a very, very specific audience, and you're marketing to a very, very specific audience at all times. Okay, Howard Cohn, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your uh, years of wisdom. And uh, where thank can you for people not learn how many years? So. <laughs> <laughs> where can people learn more about your work? Um, the easiest way to learn about my work is to go to www.hmcrightnow.com. You have to be sure that you spell right right. It's W R I T E. Um, and what you'll find there is my portfolio. And the easiest way to get hold of me, and I hope you take the opportunity to do so, even if it's just to answer your questions about this, pre this podcast, uh, hmc at hmcrightnow.com. And again, spell right, right. All right, Howard. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Mike.